Well, well, well. I'm going to ask Donald. Come on down here just for a second, if you don't mind. There you go. You can do this. You, you don't probably know this guy. I'm not sure I do either. But anyway, Donald comes all the way from Brandon, Florida. Right? Bradenton, Bradenton. Give us your whole name. Donald Payne. Donald Payne. Uh, how do you know about Calvary Community Church? When Pastor Hank was a pastor, I heard him on the uh, radio. I used to enjoy his, uh, when he talked about end time prophecies. And then I heard him talk about eternal salvation, and you couldn't lose it. I said, you got to be kidding. <laughs> and then, uh, so I said one day, I said, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And I listened at him. And when I heard gift, gave, and all those words like that, I said, wait a minute. He's saying that God gave us something, and all we have to do is receive it, and it's ours free. Amen. And when I understood that, and I kept listening and kept listening, so I started studying for myself. And when I found out that salvation was a gift, I knew I was going to heaven. And my wife thought I had gone wild. <laughs> I, I, started making, I started making copies of all of the papers you see around the wall. I started handing them out to family members. All those that I knew, I went to share them with my sisters. They even said, man, I, I knew there was something more to it because they were trying to work to get to heaven. So was I. And I knew that I couldn't do that. But I tried anyhow. But when I heard Hank clearly explain that salvation was a gift, and I started learning all those gift passages in the Bible for the wages of sin is dead, but the gift of God. When I heard him saying that, oh, man, I just went wild. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, I, just, I learned them. I, just wanted, I wanted to get them so that when I began to witness to people, they would understand that salvation was a free gift. And I tell you, it blessed my life. And I know I'm going to heaven. I don't even worry about that anymore. So when I tell people, I say salvation, I don't even worry about that because I'm kept by the power of God. He keeps me. So what I'm trying to do now is earn joy and blessings and effectiveness and assurance and then earn rewards by being a disciple, winning other souls to Christ. I, I think he got it down. I think he's got it down. How long ago did you start listening to Hank? You, you know, I first heard him back in the early 80s, and I, I, like I said, I, I enjoyed his prophecies. And for some reason, I missed, I couldn't find his radio station. And then early, in the early 2000s, I heard him, that's when I say, eh, I give him the benefit of the doubt. That's when I listened, and I said, you know what, I understand it. It, it became clear, as clear as I'm looking at you all, that's how clear it came to me. And I knew that I was going to heaven. I didn't have to worry about it no more. And I have a sister living in Atlanta. She, she said when she went to Sunday school, her teacher would always tell them, how many of you all in here knew you were going to heaven? Don't raise your hand. And they, they said, well, why, why are we coming to church? And so I got, I got a hold of her, and I began to explain to her. She said, I knew it was more to it than that. Because they were struggling. She was struggling because they were going to church, but couldn't know that they were going to heaven. So when I understood it, I started telling everybody I could. Well, what did you come all the way over here for? You knew Hank wasn't here. Yeah, but you were here, and you, were, you looked like to me, he just, he just handed a baton off to you, and you've been just going on with it. So, Give him a big hand. Thank you so much. Thank you.
I, I think it's good every once in a while to have a commercial. Now, I want you to have a copy of the notes, but I don't want you to use them. I want you to get it, fold it, put it in your Bible, and tuck it away. Those are the notes, but I don't want you to get to where all you do is look at your notes and you don't open the Bible. Uh, that's, that's the only thing that bothers me about handing out notes is that you get to where you just, you know, you don't look at the Bible. And I think that's more important. Because you got to learn the Bible. you got to learn the Bible. Memorize Scripture. Uh, even when you keep turning to the Bible and you're looking at it, you'll remember what side of the page it's on, whether it's down at the bottom, to the left, that column or this column. You'd be surprised. All that helps you down the road to find what you're looking for. So um, take your Bible and turn now to the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. Uh, we've covered quite a bit on the subject of rewards. But today is, is good, but it's not as good as next Sunday's. I had a problem trying to decide which one I was going to bring today. And so um, next Sunday morning is the one that you really need to hear. Isn't that what they always do? I mean, that's, that's to kind of bait you to get you to come and, and hear the next one. Like I told somebody, I says, one of these days I'm going to preach the best sermon I've ever preached. So you got to hear every one of them because I don't know when it's going to happen. But you know, one of these days it's going to happen. I'll preach the best sermon I've ever preached. But in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, I want you to look there in verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So that's in the races that we have in the world, you know, like in the Olympics, which is, I believe, a reference to that. But with the Lord, see, you're running in a race, but you're not running against another believer. Uh, you're running against the devil. You're running against the clock. You're running against the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Can you keep yourself focused on your goal and not let those things deter you, to keep you from winning the race, the running the race that God set before you. So there's a course, and this course may not be exactly like everybody else's because God may put and allow obstacles to come into your way that he let somebody else seem like they got to pass. And sometimes it looks like you're suffering and somebody else, they don't have to go through that. There is testings when the supply of funds and with the withholding of funds. There is an equal test of faithfulness to the Lord with good health and with bad health. When you have some money and you have no money, the test is the same. It's your faithfulness that God is trying. So if you can remember that, you know I'm supposed to be faithful regardless of what happens to me. When everybody likes you and nobody likes you. Now, it's one thing when nobody likes you because you're just plain mean and ugly and, and contrary and, you know, argumentative. But when you're trying to do the best you can and some of those things happen, that's a different story. I always realize that God is watching. But now, you'll notice in the last part of this verse, so run that you may obtain. Another way of saying that is, so live that you may obtain. Remember, Paul made this statement for me to... Live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
So running your race is learning how to live your life. There's a God who designed life, and he designed you and me, and says, uh, this is what I want you to do, and this is what I don't want you to do. So God knows the best, and so therefore we are to keep that in mind. But anyway, the second verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. Now remember, sometimes you see these verses and you just quickly go over them, but you need to sometimes stop and say, now what is this thing really saying? Who is it talking to? What changes do I need to make in my life? How can I apply this verse? Because remember, the application of Scripture is the sign of wisdom. And you're not wise because you can quote the whole Bible. Or if you know every Hebrew and every Greek word, that's not a sign of wisdom. That's a sign of knowledge. But you want to be wise in that you do what God says. So in verse 10, where it makes a statement, For we, that's all believers, must... Must. You know, there's um, a verse in the New Testament in John chapter 3 where it says, you must be born again. And you must be born again or you don't get to go to heaven. Here he's talking about the believers and what you must do. You must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And the word appear is more than just a, um, you know, showing up. It's being manifested. In other words, is something going to x-ray you clean through and through in all of your works? Yeah, today they have these screening processes where if you want to get onto the airplane, you know, you got to go through these little things and beeps go off. I was with um, a friend of mine. He was 85 years old. And uh, what was his name that went to Israel with me? Doc. Doc. That's all we did. I just called him Doc. And he was 85 years old, but he wanted to go to Israel. And I thought, I'm going to have to babysit this guy all the way over there. And that's the last thing I want to do because, man, I, I'm, I want to go here. And I want to go there. I want to see this. You know, and I don't want to babysit somebody. You know, I want him to go and I want him to have a good time. But I don't want to have a less of a good time because I'm trying to help them have a better time. So anyway, I have these emotions that goes throughout my body sometimes. Now, it wouldn't bother you, but it had bothered me. So I had already been up several nights, and I was very, very tired. Very, very tired. I, had to, I was in some other state, and I had to fly up to another place, and I'm going day and night. And I thought, man, I can't wait to get on this plane because it's a long flight over there. And all I got to do is just sit back, and I'm going to go to sleep. And so when I got on the plane, there was a seat there. And a seat here, and then another seat. And so when I sat down, he sat over there against the window. And I thought, this is great. I can sack out on two of these seats and just go to sleep and sleep for the next eight hours. So I thought, I'll go to the restroom first so I don't have to get up in the middle of the night. I went to the restroom, I came back, and he had already been curled up on both of those seats. And went to sleep. I had questions about whether he was really asleep. But the old man outboxed me. He slept for the next eight hours. By the time I got over there, I was, I was fit to be tied. And so we was going to get to our room. And I told the guy that I was with, I says, um, I'm going to go upstairs and, and, uh, and, and take a quick shower. But my goal was I'll take a quick shower because if I get through the shower first, I get in the bed first. Because the guy snored. He snored. 
I couldn't stand it. He said, he laid there, snored. So I'm going to outsmart this guy. So we, I says, I'm going to go take a shower. And he says, I'm going to go with you. So I thought, he doesn't know my plan, though. But he jumped into the shower. And, and then he came out and jumped right into bed and started snoring. I, I could have, I, I mean, here's an 85-year-old little old fella outsmarting me, and I'm smart. I'm wiser than the average bear, and I know that. But you know, there's sometimes, I think God has a sense of humor. And God allows some, some things to take place. But we got ready to get on the plane, coming out of Israel, and he has to go through this little screening process. Now, buddy, Israel really examines you. Well, he tried to come through the screener, and it goes off. So he has to go back. And then he has to take off his belt buckle. And then he tries again. And then that didn't work. Something else went off, and something else went off. Something. Next thing you know, he had his shirt off. And he says, and he tried to go through it, and something else went off. I don't know what, I don't know if he had metal plates in or what was going on. And he just said, I'm just going to take all my clothes off. And so he started pulling his belt off, and he's going to take his pants down. He said, I'll get naked if I... And he's talking loud off everybody in the whole place in here. I pretend like I don't even know this guy. I don't know the man. I know not the man. But they started laughing at him. They thought it was so funny because the guy had a sense of humor. But there's going to be a time where you are really going to be examined. And nothing gets past the screener. But this is not going to be screening you for salvation. This is to the believers when you get to heaven and God's going to reward you for what you've done. Now see down here sometimes we're not really good judges of our own works. That's why the Lord says judge nothing before the time. For the Lord will bring to light, manifest all the things that uh, we have done. But look what it says in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now this is a rewarding stand where God's going to reward you for what you've done that everyone, everyone may receive. So this is a time to receive from God that which you have earned, you have worked for. Take your Bible and look in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And you'll notice there in verse 16, verse 16 and 17, where he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Now, this is what we call the rapture. He says, With a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's the bodies that are in the grave. There'll be this resurrection. Because God says that when he comes back, he's going to bring them with him. And he says that when he comes back, he will bring them with him. See up there in verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. So there's those that are asleep. And so when he comes back, he's going to bring the other ones that have already died. He's going to bring them with him. That's their soul. The bodies are in the grave, so the bodies will be resurrected. And then it says, and so shall, in verse 17, shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So that you and I know that when someone dies, 
we know where they are. We know that we'll see them again. And uh, we know there's going to be a resurrection and Christ is coming back. So we know all these things. And the knowledge of the Word of God is supposed to bring us great peace and great comfort. Take your Bible, look in Revelation 19. Revelation and chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Now, many times we cover some of the same verses, and then sometimes we interject a few verses that we may not have covered from a particular point of view. But Revelation chapter 19, and look there in verse 7. This is at the end of the tribulation period. This is right before the Lord coming back to the earth in power and great glory, and every eye will see him. So he says here in verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice. Now, we've just come through, or they did, the worst period of time in the whole world that was taking place upon the earth, the great tribulation period, which I believe is right ahead of us. But look what he says here in verse 7. He says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. So when we go to the judgment seat of Christ. That's a rewarding stand, and we are the bride of Christ. It means that we're going to have a wedding, and at the wedding, we're going to be dressed in the righteous acts of the saints. In other words, God is going to reward you for what you have done, and these are called the righteous acts of the saints. See there in verse 8, to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Now, there's the righteousness of God, and there's the righteousness of the saints. You see, I know we're getting to heaven because of the righteousness of Christ, but the judgment seat of Christ is where God rewards you for your righteousness, for what you have done. And God says, you will be dressed or decked out with certain praise, honor, and glory that comes to you because of what you did for the Lord. And we're ready to go to the wedding. And so we're going to be all dressed out in whatever it is. I don't really know, you know, the Bible talks about the five crowns. How's one head going to have five crowns on them, you know? I don't know how God's going to do all of this. Or are they stacked on top of each other? Or do I get five heads or five crowns? Or maybe all of them put together and you only get one crown, you know, that represents all five of them. I don't know. I don't care how God does it. That's what I'm going to talk about next week. I'm going to show you what I think. And I know you want to know because you have an inquiring mind. And so we have the simple verses that tell us this is what is going to take place. Now look in Romans in chapter 14. Romans and chapter 14. Sometimes we have that little part of our lives that really bothers other people. We like to judge others. We like to sit in judgment and we become critical. And um, we know that that's what causes arguments because we always know that, you know, you're right, they're wrong, and so there's arguments. And everybody thinks that they're right and everybody else is wrong. Being people, we have an old sinful nature and we don't always see everything and understand everything. So we always think that our position is the best. Of course we do. Otherwise, we wouldn't have any problems in this whole world at all, if everybody just agreed with me. 
Well, don't work that away. But anyway, in Romans in chapter 14, I want you to look in verse 10. In verse 10 says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? Or count him of less respect? Because he doesn't see eye to eye with me on everything. You see, in life, no Christian perfectly agrees with everybody else. I hate to say that, but that's just the truth. Let me ask you this. Do you love your wife? Do you love your husband? Do you love your kids? And you all agree perfectly. Well, it's not like that with the believers either. There's certain people that I will take a definite stand on, and I'll say they can't speak in this pulpit. But then there's others that I will say yes. But that doesn't mean I agree with them on everything that they say and do. You have to know when to draw the line. And where are you going to draw that line? I always like to bend a little bit with things. And then I snap back to my original position. Because, uh, you know, you've got to be patient with people who are now where you once were. Did you know there was a time in my life when I taught that a man had to turn from his sins to be saved? Do you know there was a time in my life when I thought that uh, you had to ask Jesus Christ into your heart to be saved? You didn't know that? You still love me, don't you? But, but I, you don't know now. But, have, but aren't you glad that somebody, somebody out there loved me? Somebody out there tried to help me. Somebody out there helped me to see the light. Aren't you glad? All right. Now, be that way with others. You sitting right here did not always believe what you now believe. You were one because somebody cared about you and tried to help you. Yes. Donald back there would still be believing what he believed if somebody like Dr. Hank Linsom hadn't have been on the radio. And he didn't get it the first time. From what I understand, he had to hear him for a long time. Over and over and over again. Are you patient with other people? Well, we don't believe the same way. Well, maybe you don't. Have you tried to win them? Try to win. Try to convince somebody. And so um, the day will come when we're going to stand before the Lord. And he's the judge. Now, there's certain things that we as individuals do. There's certain positions we take as a church. And things that you may do as a family that's not exactly the same as somebody. For example, you may don't see anything wrong with you going out here and going to a movie and things like that. And a lot of people do. They don't see anything wrong with that. I haven't been to a movie outside of my house. I haven't been to a movie in 52 years or 51 years. Never been to one. I don't go to a movie theaters. So should I judge everybody else by my standards? No. That's what I do. I just know there's a verse in the Bible that says something like, um, make not provision for the flesh. I'm always, and I'm still scared of it, of what I might see or what I might hear that might make a difference in my life and cause me to go toward the flesh. And I'm always, the reason I never took a drink in my life because I was afraid I might like it. I never smoked a cigarette. Why? Because I was afraid I might like it. I've never sworn a cuss word in my life. Why? Because I thought, if I ever say the first one, I might say the second one. And then it might become something that I say all the time. So I'd rather not do it than have to stop it. 
But see, not everybody has the same standards. But you have to decide in your own personal life, what is it that I think would be the best for me to be strong? So that's what you've got to take on. Why? Because I'm going to have to answer to the Lord, and you're going to have to answer to the Lord. True? We may disagree on what we're going to eat. <gasps> you eat pizza? No wonder you got clogged arteries. You're going to die. And so you try to get everybody else to, to eat wheat germ. <laughs> Have you tried to live on just wheat germ? If you want to, go ahead. But don't sit in judgment upon somebody else that like meat and potatoes. Romans chapter 14 is a whole chapter on just this issue. Or what day is more important than another day? Well, Sundays is the most important day of the week. I, I don't know if it is or not. Whatever I do on Sunday, I'd try to live that same way on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. To me, all the days are holy days. Because to me, they all belong to the Lord. And I don't believe that I should be less godly on Sunday. Oh, we're coming into the presence of the Lord this morning. So we're all holy. And we got, you know, there's only about eight inches between a halo and a noose. And you try to be too holy, and some, you're going to get hung. Or you're going to make yourself a little prison that you live in, and uh, nobody else is going to be able to live up to your standards, and you won't have any friends because you're going to be so far above. And so you should, you should be natural in your spiritual life and spiritual in your natural life. It means that whatever you are, it ought to be real, and it ought to be you. And so each person has to decide what will make me strong and what will cause me to be weak. And then after you've done that, now, whatever I allow myself to do, if I allow other people to follow my example or try to convince somebody to follow my example, well, they become stronger or weaker. And it's your love for others that causes you to kind of watch what you think and say and do. Now, when you don't have that in your life, then you're going to maybe give yourself more freedom or more liberty. Well, there's a God in heaven that says one day we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and every man is going to be judged. Because God knows why we did what we did. So you may not do anything wrong and you're so proud of it that you don't have any humility whatsoever. And you judge everybody else because of your highfalutin standards, as though you're so much better. You may not be. Did you know somebody else may have less knowledge and walk closer to the Lord than somebody else who knows the Bible back and forwards, and they never discipline their lives whatsoever, but they can become religious hypocrites? You ever seen any of those? So you have the scripture here that says in verse 10, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're always trying to seek ways in helping people to mature, to grow, to be more effective. There's nothing wrong with that. We always want to try to get them to see that they can do more for the Lord if they do this or this or this or this. So we're always working toward those things. Look in verse 12. Where he says, so then, every one of us shall give account of himself to Dan Hall. 
Aren't you glad it doesn't say him? It says to God. You're going to have so. But if it was to Dan, then Dan would sit in judgment on us. And well, that could be bad news. We would think to ourselves, well, who in the world does he think he is? Who made him God? Well, you are going to see God one day. You're going to meet him. And he's the one that knows why we do what we do. And God is going to reward us accordingly. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look, look over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians and chapter 3. And it makes a statement in verse 13. Every man's work. Now we're talking about every Christian man. The believer's shall be manifest. It means he will appear for this purpose. And your works are going to be judged. For the day, which we believe is the day of Christ, shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what, get to sort it is. So then we look in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, when it talks about good and bad, we're talking about the sort. I used to work in a, um, a printing company. And I used to have to jog papers. And they would come out there and you'd get a big old stack. And you had to put them in your hand and you jog them. And get them all the, the funnies and the comics and all those things down in there. And the advertisement and the sports section and the perspective section. And all these sections. And you had to jog all these papers. And buddy, you had to really work them. You fluff them up and so forth, and you bang them down there, and so that you could then insert some other thing. And sometimes, when the printing presses are rolling, there was always somebody watching and pulling out bad copies, bad copies, bad copies. And there were good copies, and then there was a few bad copies, and they would pull those out. See, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be the like sins; it's the the bad copies. The bad copies. The things that are the wood, hay, and the stubble. Uh, God mentioned six things. And we're talking about its value. The value. Let me just mention this to you. Because I believe it's important. The Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews in chapter 2 and verse 9. It talks about Jesus Christ. You know, coming into the world. And that he, by the grace of God, he was crowned with glory and honor, crowned with glory and honor. Is it possible that the crown is glory? The crown is honor. We know that in the book of Peter in chapter 1, where he makes a statement that the trial of your faith, been much more precious than gold and silver, though it be tried with fire, it says, at the appearing of Christ shall be found unto praise honor, and glory. And so there's a possibility that maybe the crown is where God is going to bestow upon you a certain praise or honor or glory for all eternity. Because he's talking about us giving this honor and so forth to Christ, and he is crowned with glory and honor. Uh, it also makes a statement in the book of uh, Revelation in chapter 4, where he talks about the 24 elders. And the 24 elders, and they took their crowns and they cast them at his feet, saying, Thou art worthy, 
to receive glory and honor and praise. So is it possible that the honor, the praise, the honor, the glory that God gives to you and I is what we give back to the Lord? And we praise the Lord and give Him honor because of who He is and what He has done and that He really deserves all of it. A good possibility. There might be more here than meets the eye. But it is so important for us to realize the day will come when we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and be rewarded for what we have done for the Lord. Look at the, um, another verse here, and that's, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. See there? 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. So he's going to bring off these two main things that we don't maybe think about. The hidden things of darkness and will make manifest, that's the same word, talking about appear, manifest the counsels of the heart. And that is the motive, the reason why we did what we did. Remember this, we are to let our light so shine before men that they may glorify our Father which is in heaven. But if the reason you did what you did was only to be seen of men, then God says you have your reward. It's one thing if you do what you do for the praise of men, or you did it for the praise of God. Have you done things for the Lord and become very hurt and bitter toward people because they didn't give you the praise, honor, and glory you thought you deserved or the recognition? Nobody appreciates what I do. Well, wait a minute. Who did you do it for? Well, I did it for the Lord. Oh, really? Really? Think about it. Think it through. And find out whether or not, did I really do this for the Lord? Or did I do it to be seen of people? So that they'll think of me, maybe more highly than I ought to be thought of. So, see, God knows all these things and will reveal. Because when he wants to give you this reward or this praise or this honor or this glory, there might be a reason why he doesn't. See there in verse 5. And he says, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And get this, and then shall every man have praise of God. That is, every man who has a right to have praise of God. Not that everybody's going to get praise of God. Now, you'll get to heaven, but we're talking about the rewards, the judging, that which you have earned. See, salvation, going to heaven is free. That's a gift. But rewards are earned, and God always wants us to check our motives of why we do or what we do. A look in Luke chapter 8, the book of Luke and chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and look in verse 17. Let's just start with verse 16. There's a, a good statement there in the last part of that verse that I, I like. In verse 16, it says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick. And get this, you ought to underline this statement. That they which enter in may see the light. 
they may see the light. So why you do what you do? Because you do want other people to see the light. And I, um, yesterday I was coming from across the bridge over here, 275. But I stopped over there. I'm not even sure the name of the place. But it was a little restaurant, and so I thought I'm going to stop in here and get me a little bowl of soup. So I got me a little bowl of soup. I walked up there to, to pay, and I looked, and I noticed the girl that was behind the counter. She had a set of crutches there. I says, um, what's wrong? Why do you need those crutches? And she mentioned something. I could not understand the word. When, when I have a hearing problem, I, I can't discern sometimes, and I hate to keep begging you on know. it. I said, oh. I said, how long have you had this? She said, about three weeks. I says, um, I got something I want you to read. Because I know you can't walk around too much. I said, so if you just sit here, I says, can I give you something? I says, it's got my picture on it. She said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I gave her our, one of our church tracks, and uh, heaven tracks. And uh, I says, now, over here is uh, the test. I says, now, everybody fails it. I said, over here is the answers. I said, don't cheat. She laughed. And I says, everybody needs to know how to go to heaven. She says, I don't believe in hell. I even, like I'd never even heard her say that. I just went ahead and explained to her. And I explained to her how she could know she could have eternal life and be certain of going to heaven. And it wasn't long before she trusted the Lord. And uh, I told her, I says, I was 18 years old when a man came through my life and explained that to me. And I says, no one else has ever explained it to me. And she looked at me and she says, maybe you came by here just for me. I said, yes, ma'am, there's a good possibility. We probably will never see each other again. Our paths may never cross again. I says, but they came together at this time. I says, maybe it was just so I could tell you how to have eternal life. And she was so glad, so thankful, and she smiled. And so, Anyway, I didn't leave her a tip because she wasn't my waitress. So. <laughs> but look in verse 17. And for, get this, for nothing, nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest. Neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. Whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. Do you know there might be a possibility when we get to heaven? Because we didn't do what we should have done and made the load a little heavier on someone else. God may give to them what he would have given to you. But because of a lack of faithfulness or a lackadaisical attitude, it's not that important. And we don't take something serious that there just could be a, a price to pay. But I like that verse in verse 17. Nothing is secret. Now, for example, I just told you a story about a lady I talked to yesterday. Now, in your mind, you may wonder, what's the real motive? You could think in your mind, he wants us to think he's just a great soul winner. And you've got it all figured out. But who really knows my motive? 
God knows my motive. And I know he knows that. Now, if I told you the story just so you would think great things about me, that's one thing. But if I told you the story because I want you to learn something from the story or because I want to encourage you to be a soul winner, there might be another purpose. So I do want my light to be seen. I have no desire to magnify myself. God knows my heart. I got a phone call last night from a guy named um, Peter Amato. I got a call from him Friday night, and he was telling me about the teenagers and how that they came and trusted Christ as their Savior. And I mean, they, they went soul winning and had about, I don't know, 40, 950 or something like that. And you stop and think about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you know that there's a God in heaven? If there's joy in heaven over one, can you imagine what 50 of them made him do? Did you hear any rumbling going on last night? You'd be surprised. That is really what lightens up heaven. The joy of people trusting Christ as their Savior. And so that's why you keep doing what you're doing. And don't stop. And we should share, because if you study the book of Acts, you'll see that they came back and they told all that they did. Isn't that true? That's what they did. Because they want to encourage others. This is what we do. This is what it's about. So just keep on, keep it on, and keep winning people to Christ.